0: Like your name was mine it's a random podcast It's a random podcast It's a random podcast It's a random podcast It's a random
2: All right, welcome back to the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Richards. I'm here in my basement by myself in the middle of the night talking to Lance Brozdowski about the minor leagues at, uh, I guess, the middle of January. What's going on, Lance?
0: Hey, man. We haven't done this in a while. Off with a couple of hiatuses, some sub-ins. We're back, man. It's weird. It's been weird. We've been talking about how weird this is to do this pod in the offseason without systems because we're doing all those on Live, ProspectsLive.com, at ProspectsLive on Twitter. Of course, everybody knows. Um it's weird, man right? We're like struggling for topics, but you got to get a little get a little rundown here for us today. I'm pretty happy
2: yeah, just you know I think it's it's all the work I've sort of been doing on the forthcoming top one hundred, which should be dropping next week, yep, all things go well. my list is my list is done pretty much, I mean
0: just I think get it
2: yeah, there might be a few spots I move here and there, but you know I feel really good about probably like the top i don't know. I feel, I feel good about the whole list, but I would say like I, I'm definitely like locked in stone probably with like the top 60 or 70 or so, you know. Yeah. I, I, there's so, The thing is like when you start to make lists like this, like it's such splitting hairs about, you know, what you want. And the tough thing is like I'll rank somebody ahead of one guy and be like, oh, I definitely would rank this guy ahead of that guy. And then. I would rank somebody that I wouldn't rank ahead of that guy ahead of the other. It doesn't make sense. You know, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> no, like, it's true. When you move guys around, across, I to yeah, I, it,
2: there's almost like no, th- there's rhyme or reason to it. But the, at the same time, like values can differ even in your own head in terms of what's valuable, you know? Yep. Um, it, it, yeah, there's no definitive answer on these lists either, and I think that's why we'll probably see a lot of variation.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: yeah, I'm I'm interested once we get all the lists together and looking at how many players we have. That like, what's the variance between all the different lists? Like, I sure. think it's probably going to be an, an interesting thing to dig into. But yeah, I don't know what else do you want to talk about, Lance. I know we got a whole uh, to- list of topics here um, that I had kind of thrown out there, but. Anything you wanted to touch on in the opening? Anything you've been working on? I you just finished the Padres list. so Yeah,
0: that was a behemoth. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on it. I spent like a week and a half. That's the longest I spent on any list. Um, it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed digging through that, honestly. it was. It's a It's a baby of mine. It's calling it the omnibus, you know what I mean? Um, whatever you. Say. I don't even know how to say that word. I just know it's kind of cool, and it means like a bunch of novels,
1: or anthology of some
0: kind. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I just say it. I just enjoy saying it. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I just... It's a lot of. It was cool. I just I saw a lot of those guys. It was the most I saw on any of the lists I did, and I think that that's really cool because you really start to introspect a little and like step back and go, all right, what do I actually think of this guy in relation to possibly some other guys that are getting consistent grades, some guys that are higher up in the system, Potts versus Ronellas, and some of these other guys. It's just it was great. I had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, yeah, prospectslive.com on that. Probably on my Twitter feed as well. Just hop over and you know go to the breakdown, and I'm sure you hop over the Padres one. I think it did pretty well on the site, so I was pretty happy with that too. Got us some pull.
2: Yeah, I think it got us a uh, 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 quite a bit of interest. But that's because it's like basically uh, a 10th at a top 100 list at least, that's right? A good point, actually. It's <laughs> like the Braves list, you know? Yeah, it's um, very true. I don't yeah. know if the Mariners list is, is going to pop quite the mm, same. But not. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about some poppin' topics, actually. Sure. Wow, that sounded really poppy. I like it.
0: topics. Uh, you know, I'm New getting a little day. silly. Screw pop poppin' topics. <laughs> yeah,
2: popping topics. Yeah. Um, i want to talk about Wander, Wander Franco, because it feels like Wander Franco is easy at this point, top 10. So that's not really hot at all. Um, he seems to be coming in like five to seven on most of the lists. And I, I have him higher on my, my fantasy list. Um, I do, I do have him. I think I have him four or I might have him five, actually the same. i have him fifth on this list. I have him fifth um, just based on the grades and the way I graded out players. He was one of um, four 70 great players with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting a 75. So that's how he ended up five on my list. But I don't know. Um, how high is a justifiable ranking for for Wanda Franco in your mind? Do you think someone could go three? Oh, is that, is that too tough. hot?
0: Um, man, I, I think that might be too hot, yeah. Um, I think it's justifiable it, if you've seen him live and you fully believe in that skill set producing. But I, I always have trouble with guys with relatively small samples, even though we've heard consistent pedigree from literally everyone I've ever talked to on this kid who's seen him live. It's just like from the time he was 14, the hands were special. You know what I mean? It's like that has that some weight. But I still think even with all that considered, the kid hasn't played above a low A, A ball. Like I assume he starts A ball high A next year, probably coasts through and hits up double A. But I want to see those stats. I want to see how he does against higher competition. You know what I mean? I think and, he's only been in rookie ball. Yeah, but I mean, I, I have to imagine they start him in, start him at least in A, right? They're not going to start him in low A. Oh, they're,
2: they're, I, I imagine, well, I, low A meaning like,
0: like the that? Midwest. I don't thing. know the structure of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, so hey, that's yeah. straight A ball then. Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm mixing up the Full season A, his, uh, yeah. Full and season then, A, yep. And,
2: yeah, I would imagine that that's where he's going to start. He's going to start, maybe maybe they delay delay him for a few weeks so he doesn't get like the bitter cold in Bowling <laughs> Green. Is yeah, that where they to I got a go- shot
0: to see them. I got to see where they open.
2: Uh, yeah. So you should you should actually get to see some some Wander Franco. So get in your car and, and drive out there driving. and see them. But what's the highest justifiable ranking? Do you think it's five?
0: Did I hit the Wander Franco ceiling or is four? Can you push them to four? I think four is fair. I think it's okay. four. Because I think once you hit four, you start to get into like Whitley Robles Royce Lewis, Joe Dell, Nick Sinzel, Michael Kopech. like these guys you have a case for four. I know that obviously the first couple names I mentioned there, Robles, Sinzel, Lewis, Kirloff are probably the ones I put in there, maybe Joe and Dell. But that's I think where you started getting a little bit more of comparable values. I think what you have in this top three between Vlad, Eloy, and Tatis is production at high levels, pedigree, and performance and just the converging of convergence of a lot of things that are are very valuable on the fantasy landscape and in the real life landscape. And even though we have two guys here, Eloy and Vlad, who I don't think are going to produce much on base running or defense, their offense is so stable that it's going to produce three plus four seasons consistently, which is like baseline 60 guys, 60 plus, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's really hard to argue like a Franco over that. And I, I just struggle to do that. You know, I don't know, maybe I guess if you've seen all three and I think there's a way you can get to it, but I think on most lists and most people who haven't seen all these guys who you know, believe in in the skill sets of the guys we're seeing at higher levels between Vladilo and Tatis. It's really hard for me to put Franco above either of those. So I think four is the ceiling. I think four is the ceiling.
2: And he's he's going to be one for a significant amount of time because I mean, there's no way he touches the majors this year. Nope. Um, even even 2020, late 2020. That is probably best case scenario. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, so he's going to be one for such a long time that like he's going to own the spot. I mean, I think it's already like sort of just waiting for him. Just it's, it's based on Vlad, uh, Eloy Whitley's least for me service time. And then to tease it, I don't expect him to be up until, uh, you know, July the earliest, but I guess you never know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting topic to touch on for a minute, just because Franco's obviously such a hot commodity. Um, and he should be, I think, you know, the one thing he has over Vlad is he might actually offer some defensive value, even if it's only at second base. um, he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to have sort of first base, uh, DH questions. The body's a little bit better. Um, and I think he kind of offers some of the same skill set with that, you know, really high end hit tool at a very young age, unbelievable plate approach, um, plate coverage and just raw pop. And I think a lot of that just comes from, as you mentioned before, those blessed hands. Mm-hmm. But another guy I want to jump into a little bit, and, uh, it was an excellent, uh, I I want to say Smata tweeted it out, but it was a Miners Graph tweet that I, I saw from uh, either Smata or some other fan of the site. And uh, it was Nick Prado's sort of late season surge. And he had, you know, in WRC Plus and just some, some of the overall numbers. And I guess the question that I'll beg to you is do you view him as a potential breakout candidate in 2019? I know you did the Royals list as well, correct?
0: No, it was Matt. But I, I oh, did see a lot Matt. of those Royals uh, guys. Yeah.
2: Oh, there you go. I knew, I knew you saw a lot of yep. them You or interviewed Prado too, right?
0: Yeah, I talked to Prado. Prado's a cool kid. All right,
2: yeah. So I'm not completely off base. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. You're not going Sorry, crazy. Matt. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it was Matt's list. But um, I saw Suli, Melendez, and Prado. I didn't see them before that wave of pitchers came in. Um, Coar and Singer and all those guys in Lexington, unfortunately. But I did see Prado. Sure. And I liked what I saw a lot. I thought that the projection on the hit tool was great. Kid's still only 20 years old. He's a high school, first baseman. Um it's it's the potential for an above average glove at first, which I don't think we really see too much. It's kind of like Pavin Smith and him, I think for the most part, there. Maybe there's someone else. Or uh, who's that kid? Evan White, I think is up there as well. But so you got like three, four guys, under 50% of the top ten on first base is is guys who really can't field. Um, and they're there because of their bad, because of their approach. And it's you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. And I think that Prado is a is a very good defensive floor player. And I think that's valuable. But we, we run into this with guys like Cabrian Hayes. And I'm not saying there's as good. As, he's as good as Cabrian Hayes, but we run into it consistently with guys like Hayes and even Christian Pache. You know, Jason's consistently put him higher on most lists because he thinks that defensive floor is going to get him in the lineup. And I agree. I think that there's a really nice floor of what Pache's um, production is going to be. And I think that could apply to Parado. It's just that the first base is not the most dynamic of positions, so it's a little bit less enticing to say that I'm a, this guy's an above average first baseman. You know what I mean? So. So, but Prado, I mean, he hasn't really had that good of of, of an A ball um, season. I mean, he was 28% K, 8% walk. Turned it up at the end of the year. I ended up hitting 280 for uh, 343, 443, which I like a lot with a consistent ISO year of year between rookie ball and A ball. And Lexington well, way to run created his plus jumped up as well. Still 22 bags. So probably going to come down. But but the approach is really good. And if you if you want to project out in, in some really nice universe look at him as like a 60 hit 55 game power guy that plays at first. Mm. And I think it's an above average first baseman. It's probably top six, seven in the league, especially if he's an average to plus runner. And if he's uh, I think he's more average runner, but if he's average, average to plus fielder and, and a decent runner, and he's hitting like this, like, It's a really valuable player. So I think it's more of a breakout, maybe not from a, oh my God, look at the stats, they're gaudy, but from like a realization standpoint that if he's doing this consistently at other levels, he's producing and he has, he's consistently averaged to above on three facets of the game. That's very valuable. And I think that is going to create a huge floor. And it's, I I really like that, And I think that guys like that are guys that when people are starting to redo top 100s, you know, when he's higher up and they've noticed the 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 production is consistent, they start to go, okay, this guy's this guy's probably top seventy five floor. And then you start to think, well, is he top fifty? has he done in? Is he done in double A? Is he only done in high A? You know, I, I think that it's one of those like slow burns almost with him where it's like over time we're gonna start to see that a guy like Prado is just made to be a high top one hundred ball player. Even though at the moment it's maybe harder to put him on the list based on production, based on level, based on age and based on the fact he's a first baseman. That's my thoughts on him.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why like when I when I do these lists I always try to have like 250 guys that are in sort of consideration and some of them, you know, are fringe too, but it's more like, all right, well, at least that allows me to think about things in relation. And, and Prada was sort of one of those guys that maybe he's in like the 175 to like 200 range for me right now. Um, And that's probably even from a a fantasy standpoint because he's a few years off. We haven't seen necessarily production, but we love the swing. You know, this is a guy that was highly touted coming from, you know, a California prep background. Um, all accounts, as you said, he's a good kid, good defensively. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, you know, there's a really good player there. And similarly, the, as you said, to sort of Brian Hayes, he's one of these high floor guys. That's just a good all around player that you can kind of see that, Hey, it may take a couple of years, but it will click, and then all of a sudden, this guy's going to be a 21-, 22 year twenty-two-year-old in the cusp of the major leagues with, like, you know, a bucket full of tools that can help a team, um, you know, win right now, or or at least produce in a, co- a couple of different ways. So I like the way that you put that. I'm going to uh, keep you in the hot seat here, I guess. Yeah, sure. And I want to talk about MJ Melendez because I like MJ Melendez. He's one of my favorite catchers. I think I have him as my fourth highest ranked catcher in this top one hundred. I have eight catchers in the real life type on yeah. top one hundred, which is sort of a departure. <laughs> from my usual rankings, but I think there's, there's value there. And there's a couple of sort of faux catchers in there as well. Like there's a, there's a guy like, you know, Dalton Varshow that whether he ends up a, a catcher or not, I would probably have him ranked the same, even if he was a left fielder, just because I'd like the bat. I like the approach speed, you know, just the all around package. Um, uh, and, and you know, Sean Murphy's a guy that I like a lot defensively. I would not rank Sean Murphy probably within the top, like, 250 players in dynasty leagues, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some variance there, but Melendez is another guy that, like I said, the fourth ranked catcher that I have, um, he's not a guy that's going to be in my top 100 for fantasy, but he is for, you know, my real life list because I think there's so much value there. So, do you sort of agree with that this this guy is a top 100 real-life prospect, not a top 100 fantasy prospect?
0: Yeah, I think he's fringe. I think that we get in this debate a lot when we talk top 100s, but there's like a window right after you get out of like your 55 future value guys, you know, when you hit like 70 overall, where you're like between 75 and 150 maybe. That's like a tier, and that's such a big tier that like the cutoff at 100 is natural for – Various reasons, is to simply say it's a top 100 phrasing-wise, you know what I mean. But in reality, like the difference between 130 and 95 is is nothing. So, based on how I broke out my top 100, I had trouble getting Melendez in there. I think I had him at one point, right in there, at like 100 or 101, or 102. And that made not eight catchers for me on my top 100, which is another spiel we can kind of get into. Because I think each of us at Prospects Live has like eight catchers in there. And I never thought in my entire life I'd ever have an eight catcher top 100. But it seems feasible this year. It's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, with Melendez, I mean, I have him potential top 100, I think. I think there's a case. But... There's a lot to clean up in the swing. It's power. It's power over hit, which is going to run to some, I think, stall points, especially at higher level when we start seeing better breaking balls and better pitching. And that's probably what I'm concerned about. Most is just, is just that it's power over hit, And that I think it could slow him down a little bit, but Is that slowdown good? You know what I mean? Like, is it good to have him slow down and help him him develop his plus defense into really solid plus defense and projectability of playing, like, 120 games, catching 120 games at the major league level consistently? I'd love to see that. If that's the reason, then that's fine. That just means it pushes his ETA a little bit, in my opinion. But um, I'm not a good catcher analyst in person, so I did see him hit. And the swing's really noisy, from what I saw, unless he cleaned it up by the end of the year. But there's power there. I mean, what did he thump, like, over 15 home runs, I think, right, or something like that. So I, I, I think there's thump there. And if think if you're getting a guy like that and he turns into, like, a Zunino, better better catching version of, like, a Zunino, and, like, maybe his peak is, like, a grandal, like, in, in the 90th percentile outcome, I'd, I'll say. So, you know, he's a future possible, like, 60 future value guy. Then I'm, I'm happy to put him in there. But I think my process for top 100s is generally to go, if if I haven't seen it from a guy yet, I tend to kind of rank as I think it'll come and then be comfortable moving him up if, if the production uh actualizes which is where I am with Melendez so um I'd say fringe top 100 real life I don't think he's top 100 in fantasy but neither are kind of any catchers but give me your thoughts on Melendez then let's talk quickly through the catcher crop I'm gonna give you just kind of like small blurbs and you tell me where I'm wrong on some of these guys because I think it's a really diverse set of people people (laughs) I don't know why I'm calling them people but yeah you know what I mean diverse set of players they're people People players are people (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing with Melendez is it's uh easy 60, 60 in terms of the arm and the fielding, mm-hmm. you know, by all accounts, he's a good framer. Um, knows how to call a game. He's smart, you know, coach's son is, you know, his, his father is the, uh, Florida international coach. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the other things that he brings to the table offensively that I like a lot from a 20 year old left-handed bat with some pop, this guy had a two forty-one ISO in his first full professional season. With a 9% walk rate. Yeah, he had a 30% K rate, but he was walking and he was still, you know, hitting for power. Um, I, for me, I, I think that's something to build on. Because the 30% strikeout rate, you know, for a, a, a 19, 20-year-old kid in his first full, like, you know, professional season, when you really think about it, when this guy would be a you know, a college freshman... Um, and he has the responsibility of teaching, learning You know that side of the game, which is so much more complex than any other position, uh, in, in maybe outside of pitching and baseball. But it might be close. Because um, there's just so many things you have to do, right? There's just leadership responsibilities and sort of just, you, you know, you, you sort of keep everything together. You're like a coach in the field almost, if you're a really good catcher at least. So um, by all accounts, he sort of brings all that to the table. Plus that power um base thing, you know the OPS sort of skill set, so to speak. Um, I think that's what separates him from other guys for me. Uh, and just sort of going through some of the other catchers I have around him, I wrote Wilson Contreras ahead of him. Uh, he's a third rank catcher. Uh, Jansen, excuse me, second rank catcher. Jansen is one. Joey Bart is uh, just just ahead of him as well. Um, Kiebert Ruiz just behind him. Um, Sean Murphy, who I mentioned before, I like a lot just because I think the, the defense is so special. Um, Varsho, who's bad. I like a lot as well. And then Mejia, who's another, just those mm. last two guys, I mean, they could be first baseman. <laughs> it wouldn't matter if they were yeah. catchers or not. I just, I, I just like the bat at that point. So, um, it's really more like six catchers. Uh, and I think a few of them are just based more on the defensive value with Murphy and even Melendez, that they can bring some offensive uh, value to the table. And even, you know, I, I feel as if Murphy's a guy that right now could probably start half the games for most major league teams just based upon his defensive skill set um, and the fact that he can swing the stick a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have, I have Danny Jensen so high that we'll talk about probably a little bit later. Um, because Jensen's a guy that I feel could probably be a starting catcher or at least a timeshare guy for... Pretty much every team in the majors, you know, with the exception, I guess, is the Marlins right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, I mean, I think you did a pretty good run down there. I mean, yeah, I, I it's it's interesting. i think I think actually one of the more perplexing dynamics is actually I was actually talking to an individual, um, I connected with a scout who saw both Kiber Ruiz and Will Smith, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who covered Oklahoma City Dodgers. And they saw Will Smith at the end of the year. They didn't see Keybert, but the scout that I was talking to saw Keybert. And there's some interesting kind of variation between these two. Um, a lot of people say that Keybert's defense isn't isn't really nearly what it is what Will Smith's is at the moment, which yeah. raises a lot of questions around what exactly Keybert's position is long term, and whether they're willing to kind of like tune him into another position to get him playing time if the bat is that good, which it seems to be. And then you got Will Smith, who is clearly a good catcher. He's, he's average to above, I think, defensively, all around with arm factored in, et cetera, and mm-hmm. can play some kind of role. But people don't really know if the bat is good enough to be like an everyday catcher role. So the Dodgers have this weird dynamic of like, eventually, maybe they go with like just a straight 888 split on these guys. And they're sacrificing defense when Keybert's out there based on whatever matchups they like. And then when Will Smith's there, they. They have him in there because of the defense or because he's better at framing certain pitchers or something like that. So sure. I just find that dynamic really weird because I don't know if I see in either of those guys a pure starting catcher. And I think that's kind of what we've run into with Mejia to some extent, you know, where Francisco Mejia grades out as a slightly minus defender. He's not poor behind the plate. He's a little bit small. No one really knows. Arm really, really, really good. But overall, it's probably like average, maybe slightly below defensive profile behind the, behind the plate long term. And you don't really know if he can catch over 100 games. So it's like a guy like that, you know, that reminds me of a lot of guys we're looking at on the catcher side here. Not guys like Bart, Jansen, as you're saying, Murphy. Not those guys, but a lot of the guys like Ruiz, like Will Smith, like a like a possible Varsho, but he's a little more dynamic, I think. Um, you know, and Melendez is kind of out of that category, too. I think Melendez might be the next one to jump up into like the Bart, Jansen, Murphy tier, which is kind of that first initial tier I think I have of catchers that I think could stick and I think that's really valuable in fantasy, having a catcher that sticks behind catcher. You know? And I get you have those weird off years where you have a guy who's positionally in the field, and the next thing you know, he's, he has the catcher eligibility for two years. But if you're looking at Dynasty League, it's cool to get those cheap shots every now and then. But like, you, you need a catcher, you know what I mean? And like, that's why Danny Jansen and some of these other guys are so valuable. Well, but with Kieber and Smith, I'm, I'm a little torn on like what exactly the, the fantasy value is. You know, I, I get them for real life because I think that there's value in a guy that can play catcher. But like, yeah, agree. Is it valuable to have a guy who's just playing 80 games? Like, is keepers bat that good where they don't want him to play only 80 games and they try to find him another position? I just I'm torn on some of these catchers. It's really tough.
2: Yeah, and I like Will, uh, William Contreras behind the plate a lot, and I think he's going to be able to hit. I think it's a decent hit tool, and he's a guy that I I wouldn't rank in the top 100 for fantasy either. You know, like no. I, 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 I think it's just Varsho um, and Jansen pretty much. That's in my top 100 for fantasy for catchers. So mm-hmm. and you're going that, Varsho that goes to the show
0: versatility, you. basically. Yeah. Well, the and fact is, just,
2: I just think Varsho is a great offensive player. Okay, I, I, like he could play second base, third base, shortstop, you know, center field, right field, pretty much anywhere on the field. And I would, <laughs> I <laughs> would. Seems recommend.
0: like he literally can play everywhere. Yeah.
2: No, I agree. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing is. It, is he going to be one of those sort of guys? Um, yeah, I, I almost, I've almost i said it before. I think that he has more value if he moves off catcher, at least for fantasy. Like, you know, if, if he moves to left field, fine. You know, because mm-hmm. I think he can play 150 games or something like that. And if his legs are in the lineup, he might be able to steal 15 to 20 bags, you know, hit 20 homers and get on base at a really high clip. And that's an exciting player, like regardless of position. So um, he's one of the r- the rare guys that I almost don't want him to catch long-term because I think it will like take such a wear and tear in his body that it might take away from um, the fantastic sort of offensive player that I think he potentially can be. So mm-hmm. that's my two cents on uh, Vars' show. But um, if you don't mind, uh, can we move along here to of sort of your binky, a guy that seems to be everybody's <laughs> favorite? up-and-coming pitching prospect, high school righty. He's breaking the mold. True or false, Lance, I ask you. Daniel Espino, should he be considered a possible 1-1 candidate, and might he be the best player in the class?
0: Yeah, tough. I'll go false. Um, I think Rushman is squarely 1-1, and I think that's my only gripe, really. I think after that, it kind of opens up. You know, we, we're, we're seeing a lot of projections right now that are Rushman 1, solid, and then like 2 through 10 is, is wide open. And with that, I'll say I think Espino should be considered the top arm off the board. And the caveat there is if a team that's competing wants Graham Stinson. But the problem with Graham Stinson is that I don't think a team like the Royals, White Sox, Marlins, Tigers, who have those picks right after the Orioles at 1 want a guy like Graham Stinson because they're not really competing anytime soon you know what I mean so it's like yeah. it's a weirder scenario like maybe the White Sox See the White Sox sign Machado all right I could see that at three you know they want to relieve it right now they think that kid could be back at eight nine guy right off the bat good fastball slider good frame I don't very white Sox Stinson.
2: kind of a guy yeah honestly. right
0: exactly quick to the majors cutter. like a Brendan Finnegan style give him a cutter you know what I mean he's up there quick but but Espino is just just wildly athletic. And I, I think I'd love to if there's devout listeners here who remember whatever podcast I said this on, probably some draft podcast last year, but I've always kind of been in this weird mindset where I think eventually this stigma of high school uh, pitchers is going to fade and we're gonna start seeing guys like Mackenzie Gore and Hunter Green push into the into the success and we're going to start looking back and going, wow, these guys that are top tier high school pitchers don't really possess the same risk. We always thought they did because of tools like driveline, because of all these other developmental things we have to help us standardize pitching, to help us understand pitching, to help pitch design, all these things about biomechanics that help guys this young Help their arms, help all this stuff. Sure, there might be still Tommy John Race. I don't think that's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be uh, anything we're ever gonna get rid of entirely. It's just something that we'll be able to understand better and hopefully prevent happening. From Robot stupid arms. Things. Robot arms eventually. But Espino <laughs> is just his his athleticism is just absolutely off the charts. Um, it's just yeah. insane to watch the delivery. It's a new weird drop and drive. It's just man, this kid gets into some wild positions. His drive is unbelievable. He's got four uh, pitches. It's just. Whew. I, I love it. It's top 10 for me right now. I think it's probably top five, but I, I don't think it's one. Not one yeah,
2: one. I think it's, I think it's top five for me too right now. Yep. Um, his back leg drive is insane. Like, yeah. you know, th- the bend and sort of push on that is just so filthy athletic. It's it's almost like an, an exaggeration beyond like what, like, you know, Masahiro Tanaka sort of does mm-hmm. with his lower half, which I'm, I'm always sort of, um, uh, 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 mystified by like he's you know hey, he's
0: shit it's a similar it's, yeah, it's, it's super, similar to a lot of like the asian pitchers where and how yeah, they're super, dropping yeah, but yeah. the thing with Espino is that he isn't like a, a quick mover off his like if you get him uh, on like lift if you look like open face video he's not like quickly moving towards the plate like a tanaka or a darvish that has a lot of that weight on that quad espino just kind of drops and sits and gets in this yeah. really low crouch almost like a squat and he just kicks out of it and it's just it's insane that position that he gets into right before his full momentum kind of peaks going forward is just baffling to me how he's able to how he's able to sit in that spot and i i it's amazing and i just love the athleticism um I, i'm i'm a huge fan of him i think he's he think he's got to be in consideration for the top 10 i'd love to see how he does this year in high school and stuff some of the showcase circuits but and it's love it's
2: it's silly with a pitch mix too that really um, allows him to stand out. But all right, as we continue, Lance in the hot seat, I'm going to ask you another question here, Lance. Yeah. Who has the better 2019 season, Jesus Cesardo or Forrest Whitley? Yeah. MLB
0: so, wise. MLB wise. For fantasy in particular, I'm going to go to Zardo. And I think this is going to be almost purely based off the fact that he's going to give you innings, I think. I'm a little bit more intrigued about what exactly the Astros are going to do with Whitley in terms of his role. When he comes up, I don't think that they're a team that's too afraid of like the whole bring this guy, put him in the pen and ruins him as a starter. You know what I mean? But I think that they're inclined to do that. And it could be really valuable to have a guy like Whitley in the pen. I think it will will be very valuable to have a guy like Whitley in the pen. But but a Lizardo who could come up out of the gate, have a shot to break camp, sit in the back of that rotation and just carve for like 120 plus innings, even if it's like a maybe I'm not as bullish. And maybe it's like an eight eight five K per nine with like a like a solid you know a little bit below average uh, ERA you know I I'd like that I think that's good I think that's really valuable so if he's like a three nine ERA guy over 120 innings eight five K per nine maybe two five three walk per nine that's good that's a really good pitcher you know what I mean and I think that that is a lot of value even in redraft leagues and stuff it's not like a let me take this guy top 150 he's gonna blow up. Maybe there's some people who think that. I probably am more like value neutral on Lazardo. I like him a lot. I think I have him inside my top like 30, 35. But I don't know if I see the upside of a Whitley. I just, the problem with the Whitley is I just don't know if I see the playing time of a Lazardo, if that makes sense. So yeah, I kind of waver back and forth on him. But uh, I'll go Lazardo on this one. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I know. I think it's Lazardo's the answer for me as well. Um, and that's not to say I, I, I think Whitley's obviously the higher ceiling pitcher. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we're talking about like the last month and a half of the season, Whitley, if he's up and, you know, starting for the Astros could certainly outpitch him. I just don't know if that's the case. He had such a truncated, you know, um, 2018, it got off the rails. You know, if he had thrown 130 innings, I think it's a different story. I think there's a chance that he might be pushing for the rotation this year. Um, where I think was, there is a chance he might actually push for the rotation as crazy as that sounds. Um, yeah, you know, maybe they push him down for three weeks and then call him up. But I do expect him to be up relatively early in the season and provide some value. They may shut him down late in the in the year and start to uh, skip some starts. But I don't think he's going to spend a lot of time in the minor leagues. Honestly,
1: I
0: don't think he is either. Yeah, I think it just might be a control thing like that. But I mean, let me let me hop and see the Athletics depth chart quick in terms of who they're projecting. Um, if I could spell Athletics correctly.
2: Yeah, that would be that would actually be a good move if you could actually. Learn how to spell the word athletic.
0: <laughs> All right. So they got oh so they got four guys per uh per uh MLB.com right now. Sean Mania, Andrew Triggs, Mike Fires, and P Blackburn. Is that who? I don't even know who that is. Paul Blackburn? What Paul Blackburn. Paul Blackburn, yep. yeah. Okay, good. And then back into the pen you have Ryan Dome, Frankie Montes, Daniel Magnan, uh liam hendricks yeah those those guys are starting so i mean he slots in pretty nicely in that in above that paul blackburn being the four you know Tricks fires opening weekend maybe go lizardo there but if not i'm sure they're gonna find someone else from high triple a you know what i mean uh to to kick him up but uh i would love to see lizardo in there for for a nice solid swath of innings um and i'd love to see some of the metrics on everything he throws because i think uh some of that tunneling is gonna be a lot of fun to look at i love looking at some of that baseball prospectus data um carving through it and seeing how the, some of those pitches tunnel. Even if maybe it isn't as, you know, predictive of actual success of the pitch. It's cool and I enjoy looking at it. So uh yeah, I'm I'm excited for him, man. I know you've been always yeah. you've been you've been begging him for a while. I think you had me come around on him a bit. I remember I days have. ago. I wasn't I wasn't always super sold on him, but you definitely convinced me.
2: Yeah, no, I'm i I'm a Lazardo guy, even if he's a, a, a short left handed uh pitcher, but I think he's got the stuff, he's got the polish, he's got the feel and mm-hmm. you can't really teach that, you know. Yeah. Um, you can try, but I think if, when it's inherent, it's a it's a difference maker in my mind, yeah. especially for pitching prospects. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to, I guess, the last yeah, sort of segment of the show. Keep it short. You know, we can keep it short this week because we just... You know, there's no games going on and no trades, no prospects yeah, getting I traded. Yeah, I know. That would be a That's cool a big part big of segment
0: <laughs> if we have to look at some valuation on guys swapping This teams. has
2: been like the worst offseason ever. I feel like I say that all the time. but it, uh, This year it actually feels like it's been a, just an absolutely terrible, yeah. boring offseason with nothing going on really. But hopefully there's some uh, signings and some trades and some stuff on the horizon. But for now, let's talk about three players that maybe you're hot on. Really, really quickly, maybe you know, yeah. go back and forth. I'll start off. Uh, Mark Fiantos, guy that uh, really untapped. Uh, t- excuse me, really uh, unlocked some power in his game uh, late in 2018. Started to hit the ball harder, farther, um, and in, with better results. And uh, I think you know, if you if you take a look at his numbers over on minor graphs, and just sort of uh, cycle through some of the or toggle through some of the different um, statistics and, and measurements, um, you'll see that this guy obviously made some sort of change or something clicked. And, you know, he was one of the youngest players in that 2017 draft class. Um, and I guess this was, you know, his first full professional season Though he played in short season ball. Um, but he was on that, uh, that, that Kingsport team, that Kingsport Mets team with like Luis Santana. And of course, uh, Jared, uh, Kelnick while he was still in the organization. Uh, and, um, uh, uh shervin newton and and some of those guys. so it was an it was a really interesting squad, and I think that he's the guy that for me that's gonna stand out the most. Shortstop potentially moves over to third base. um so there's some defensive value as well. He should stay in the dirt and on sort of the left side of the infield. so um I think when you, Look at all those factors. He's a guy that's a big mover for me. Definitely somebody I want to go out and, and acquire in dynasty leagues, um, really of any size and, and format, because I think he's a potential huge mover. Um, and I think uh, we mentioned this potentially on the on the on the Mets podcast, but uh, somebody had tweeted at us and, and sort of said, "Take a look at you know Vientos' stats in comparison to Wander Franco's. Um, they're really not all that different." And when you consider age and some of these other things, and um you know, it's not the same, but I think it sort of just speaks to how under the radar Viantos is for the type of player that he potentially is. I mean, I don't know if if Brody's going to trade him away in the next year and a half, but um I think there's a really interesting skill set there. So uh, Viantos is the guy that you should go out and and grab in all your leagues, in my opinion.
0: I like it. I think one guy uh, that is kicking up a lot of boards right now and guaranteeing a lot of like top 50 consideration is Vidal Bruhan, who I think we've talked about pretty extensively on raise lists and everything, but a 20-year-old second baseman, switch hitter, um, smaller guy, listed at 5'9", 155-ish, he played, um, hopped up to high at the end of last year for about 27 games. Um, really nice stats uh, everywhere. He's he's kind of a contact pull ground ball contact guy at the moment at that in this high a sample but overall i think a lot of people think that it's a really adjustable swing which i agree with and there's a really really good feel for contact there's a really really good uh pitch recognition Um, there's really no eye problems at all, which is huge. And I think that that's just amazing. Uh, switch hitter better from the left side, I believe than the right side, Mm -hmm. which is good. I think for projecting him out and and seeing that strong side be a little bit better and the possibility of him not having to deal with any platoon or anything like that, but he's been really serviceable from the right side as well. I like his swing from the left side a little better. Um, I think there's just a little bit more loft on that side. So even if he's always kind of pull ground balls from the right side, I'm okay with that as long as there's a little bit of loft from the left side. And um, I'm not really sure what it projects out to be. I mean, I think it's, I think it's plus hit. Probably it's plus hit. Maybe we ho- hope we can get the average power and then plus speed as well because um, he was about – yeah, he was – we well, got caught a lot in the bags. He was 12 for 16 at high A and only 27 games, so he's running a lot. And then he sold 43 bags in 95 games in A-ball and in Bowling Green in 2018. But this is a guy I think he can jump up. I mean, we always look at these guys with really good approaches – and the fact that this kid plays, like, good defense as well, like, this is going back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's just – it's a lot of things together. Even, I don't want to draw the comparison between Prado, but it's the same concept. It's just we have guys with a really good approach, and this is a much better approach than Prado. This – Brujan's approach is fantastic. Um, he's, like, even K okay to walk, essentially. You have a guy like this who's hitting, hit for, hit for power – he runs a lot. It's aggressive, maybe a little bit too aggressive, but I still think he could turn a decent stolen base speed, and he's hitting. He's hitting really well, and he's not having inflated BABIPs because it's just a beautiful combination of possibly some line drives that I think he could kick up as well. He's like 22%, 23% line drives in Bowling Green in 2018. And I like this kid a lot. I like his swing from the left side. I think it's a really good chance he jumps up to AA by the end of the year and proves himself pretty strong and maybe debuts by the age of 22. You know, his age 22 season, he could probably hop up and debut, and I think that that would be – amazing and this adds to the glut of talent that the race have but i like brujan i'm trying to i'm trying to scoop him in a lot of leagues before i think he makes a big jump this year um we think we have him around maybe 50 ish right now i think you said you had a 39 a little spoiler 39, the top yeah. um i think this kid could be like a top 30 top 25 guy by the end of the year i think he's a square he's, he's squarely right now one of my guys that i think he could jump up and i think it took me a little bit to come around on this but the more i look at the stats the more i look at the swing and what i think he could adjust into specifically i think it's a really nice profile that everyone should have
2: and the next guy on my top 100 list that we already uh, sort of touched on briefly was Danny Jansen, number 40. Um, I, I'm just into him right now because I think he might be a top five catcher fantasy. We did the, the catcher show with uh, with with uh, uh, Gray that's going to come out on Monday. So I guess I'm sort of teasing a little bit here. But I was really beating the drum for, for Jansen to be within his top 10. And I think it's reasonable uh, just because, you know, why not take a, a, a chance – a catcher, really. If you're going to take a, a chance anyway, take it on this guy, especially after they trade away Russell Martin. Not that he was going to catch a ton of games, but just one less guy that's in the mix, and I think he's ready. The hit tool is ready. This is a guy that can come up and probably hit 280 right from the jump, and we'll see if there's a little bit more power there than we thought. Um, he's not a, a, a tremendous defensive catcher, but he's pretty solid. Um, so Let's see how many games he gets, but I, but I think that uh, Jensen's a guy that you should maybe Maybe take a chance on in some dynasty leagues and see that uh, you may hit some gold there.
0: I like him. I'm gonna go with a guy I think I'd have just outside my top one hundred. Is in fact, I believe, another switch hitter here. So we have a little bit of a switch hit party going on with with Brian Rocchio and VL Brujan. Brian Rocchio, Indians uh shortstop right now. Um, I think they haven't listed as a second baseman, but I know he's played a lot of short. I don't really know why they haven't listed as a second baseman. He's kind of played all over the diamond, which is good. a uh, left side, yeah. He has the arm to stick there, I believe, which is good. Um, I'd love to see him as a shortstop long term. I think it's fantastic. There's another guy who's a little bit of some rookie ball action with a good approach. Um, I believe it was a J2 signing in 2016, if I'm remembering correctly. I could be wrong on that. Check me on that. But, um, yeah, hit really well. There's really not as much power here, possibly. But I, I think it's a similar kind of 60-hit-50 future value um, game power combination here, which is really nice. So he's a little bit behind. He's 18, obviously. And I think that it's kind of going to mimic, to some extent, what the, what the ascension of Vidal you know, Bruhan was, where it's possibly some really nice speed, maybe not as much stolen base impact. Um right out the gate, he's getting caught a lot more than Bruhan was uh, percentage wise. But I, I still feel like in lower levels it doesn't really matter that much and guys should run to kinda of understand emotions of pitchers and such. So hopefully there's some leniency there. And um if he's a if he's a sixty hit forty fifty future power guy, like I'm I'm over it. I like it. I like it a lot. I think the swing is really compact. Um, I don't know if you compare the two swings of like Bruhan and and Rokio. I actually think I like Rokio's a little bit more in terms of projecting a little bit more power out, possibly a little more loft out in terms of how yeah, he approaches the ball. I think that
2: might be uh, fair.
0: Yeah, Bruhan's a little bit more of kind of like a line drive slap guy, but I I mean based on how Rokio loads and he's using a little bit more of a leg kick, Bruhan's a little more of a straight toe tap right now. Um, I really like what I see from Rokio, and I think there's a there's a really good chance this kid could jump up a lot and be like a solid top 75 guy by the end of the, by the, end of the year and uh, supplant, excuse me, and help out no what the Indians have. Yeah, I know I'm like <laughs> choking on my phlegm here. I'm talking too much. Get over a cold, but I'm doing all right. <laughs> but Rokio, is the man to keep an eye on. <laughs>
2: So not to be left out of the uh, switch here party, I decided to jump in myself and uh, just give a quick plug for my binky Xavier Edwards. He will be in the back end of my top 100, even in the real life, uh, much higher on the fantasy. I love him. Uh, another guy that, like I said, it's a switch hitter. We haven't seen him hit right-handed yet. That, uh, based on the tape and things that I've watched, that's a little bit more of the power swing than he is from the left side. But um, he's a guy that's, you know, shown to make consistent contact in his first taste of uh, pro ball out of the draft. Jumped a couple of levels. Um, has speed in the bases. You know, one of the fe- he's a true 80 runner. Uh, and I think he's a good enough athlete that he should have some defensive value where he ends. He ends up at second base or potentially even in center field. But I think he's a really good all around prospect. There's a little bit more power on the bat than we've seen so far. There's speed, there's contact, there's approach, doesn't strike out a lot. Um, You know, that's a combination that's very, very rare, uh, especially for an athlete of this caliber right out of high school. So I think he's a guy that you should, uh, you know, try to trade for and aggressively target in first year player drafts.
0: I like it. Um, My last guy here to close out the show is going to be Luis. Oviedo, who you told me about late last year, I remember, Ralph, and I didn't get a chance to see, I believe he was DL'd on the uh, Lake County team with Will Benson and some other guys, who I actually saw in Fort Wayne, unfortunately, but I didn't get to see Oviedo because he was on the DL and hanging around, but he only threw nine innings um, and started two games in A-ball, so I, I'm hoping he starts back there, so there's a chance a in wesley could actually be really stacked, especially in that division that's a little Again. bit further east. Again, yeah, between guys like, like Rocchio, um, Brujan, or no, not Brujan, excuse me, Rocchio, there's a chance we get um, uh, Wanda Franco, like, there's a lot of guys that could come through here. Um, uh, Tukapito Marcano, Xavier Edwards, there's just, there's a lot of really fun young talent that's going to come through once again, and we see, Luis Oviedo is one of the pitchers I, I think I'm very keen on, just trying to take a look at him and see exactly what he's done, because um, low A, 2018, 48 innings, he had a 33% strikeout rate with a 5% walk rate, really good ERA, really good FIP, Wasn't giving up a lot of home runs, stranding runners, decent ground ball rate. He's one of these weird, like, uh, distinct on his mechanics. He's he's a little bit rotational, pretty upright, but um, I like the overall kind of arm slot. His arm speed is unbelievable, and uh, he kind of has, like, a little bit of, like, a higher front shoulder, and then he comes out really hard and and actually throws a little bit more, like, low three-quarters, which is, I think, relatively deceptive, and it kind of gives him, like, an above-average plus fastball with some sink, and then uh, he makes a slider curve change. There's potential for four pitches here. But I can't really report more than that because I can't say I've seen him live or much taper, really read many reports on him at all. So he's another guy I think right in that kind of fringe about to be 50 future value tier. You could jump up and be like a top 75 prospect by the end of the year on the pitching side of things um, for right-handed pitchers. Um, pretty big guy too, 6'4", 170, put on some weight. I'd love to see it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see him live. He's only 19, turns 20 in May. There you go. Well,
2: that was uh... – All that we got, guys. That's the end of it. Another week of the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is Ralph Lipschitz signing off. Lance, anything you want to say to the people?
0: No, take care. We'll see you guys next week.